Hello and welcome everybody to today's news tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Ash Paulson, and I'm joined today by my dear friends and GBG co-founders, Steve Bowling and Derek Bittner, as well as our very special guest, Broly. How's it going, everybody? Good. Glad to be here. We are glad to have you here. Feeling good today. I was feeling kind of down yesterday because I went through the rigmarole of uh, Best Buy and Walmart and uh, missing Amazon and all that and didn't get a PS5. I was like, well, I'm done. And then I just saw today, like, because uh, I still had the notifications on from Wario64 about Best Buy again today. I'm like, ah, all right, let's try it. And then didn't put much effort into it and had trouble with um, freaking uh, passwords and all that other stuff. I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to get this. And sure enough, I can, February 2nd, I can actually pick up a, uh, pick up a PS5 and That's have awesome. one of my own. That is pretty awesome. 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 It seems like it's getting slightly easier to get them. My my best friend yeah. was able to get one in this new wave. Uh, slightly, because well. trust me, it, it is there's a lot of frustration out there from trying again and again and again. And Walmart especially, I saw like some evidence, they got like bots are hitting them hard, which explains oh, sure. why Best Buy does it their way. But Best Buy's way is also really frustrating because if a local store doesn't have it near you, you're not getting it either. So it's like just the whims of fate. Right, wow. right. Well, I'm just glad you were able to get one. Now we're all part of the PS5 gang. Hell yeah. 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 And our, yeah. our uh, Broly, Broly, do you have a PS5 as well? Yes, I do. I was able nice. to get one on launch. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Nicely done. What you been well, playing? Yeah. No, um, I, I can't. I've oh, been playing... Um, well, we played Spider-Man. Uh, Homecoming. Well, well Marth, uh, Morales one. Mm-hmm. Um, just been playing a lot of... Well, I played a lot of the uh, Demon Souls as well. Because I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of it too. So... And now I'm really excited for Resident Evil 8. Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I streamed the demo last night, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Even though it's only like 30 minutes, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it really shows off what the PS5 is capable of in terms of just how great the interiors look. The frame rate is just perfectly smooth, 60 FPS. Um, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun, despite being so short. It is definitely more of a visual showcase, though. Right. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Well, before we jump into the news, we have some uh, sponsored uh, copy to read out. We, uh, one of our very, very generous sponsors is Straight Lace, and they want us to talk about their game, The Saw Device. So uh, Straight Lace says, if you enjoy exploration, puzzle, or platformer games, then you might enjoy The Saw Device from Straight Lace Studios. The Saw Device aims to combine the handheld device puzzle solving of Portal with 2D Metroidvania exploration as you create your own platforms to explore the world, collect upgrades, solve puzzles, and reach your ultimate destination. But there's a catch to your power, as each use of your device drains your slowly regenerating HP, so maintaining a balance of placement and patience is key. The game features over 200 rooms to explore, puzzles with multiple viable solutions, and three endings of increasing involvement. You can also go from chill to challenging with the post-game hard mode or the single chance of no death mode. You can also put on a hat. <laughs> well, soul. There you go. Um, the Soul device is available now on Steam, and Straight Lace hopes you enjoy it if you choose to pick it up. So, thank you for uh, for your for supporting a Straight Lace, and uh, definitely go check out the Soul device, everybody. It sounds pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, it does, yeah you I can like put on promise. a hat. I mean, come on. And and if there's a dog, I hope you can pet it. Not talking about the the, the game. gameplay mechanic of having to manage your health while right. solving puzzles. No, it's yeah. the, it's the hat. It's, it's the, the hat. hat. Come on. <laughs> No, no, I, this actually does sound really interesting. And over 200 rooms to explore, it sounds quite meaty as well. Like, there's a lot of content here. So 
Uh, I'm actually going to put it in my notes right now to check it out right after I am done. Nice. Cool. cool. In the meantime, right. uh, I realized we didn't actually put Resident Evil, 8, Resident Evil 8 in the topics, and we got Broly here, who's a huge Resident Evil fan. So I want to get your thoughts real quick on sure. 8. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, you know, I know the, the series kind of transitioned to when 7 came out to a first person uh, following Ethan. Uh, and I love that game. That game was really, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, the environment is what really captures the the, set, the setting and tone of the game, and eight does that really well, especially in the demo. I was blown away; like I was really, you know, excited for this game. Uh, wasn't expecting, you know, a whole lot from this demo, even though Capcom really delivers a, with their demos. Uh, they let people play it a lot and, and explore. And uh, this demo, uh, you know, wasn't like too much on the you know, jump scare, spooky stuff, but it really just showed the sounds and the, and the like, you know, just the textures and lighting. The lighting is what really, like, amazed me so much about this game. Um, it's also very, you know, dark, and, and, and you get to, you know, just see all the details, the blood and, and you know, the dismemberment of, of, of people and stuff. So I'm really excited for it. I, you know, at first I was kind of, I'm not a big Ethan fan because, you know, like, I, I'm not like someone that's like, Oh, it has to be Chris or Leon or Claire mm. to sell the game. So I'm I'm open for uh, a protagonist, a new one. But the first one, he kind of just got beat up a lot. You know, you just kind of seem like he was really like I'm just I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm gonna keep going anyways. <laughs> and uh, but I'm really excited for this one. This, I I love it. Has a lot of Resident Evil Four vibe in this, and mm. so I can really see it uh, being a great game. And I'm just super excited for it in May. I noticed that Ethan's whole shtick seems to be getting the crap beat out of him by women. Like yeah. that, is, that seems to be his most enduring <laughs> trait. Like there's a few guys thrown in there to, to mix it up, but it's always, it always seems to be the women that give him the most trouble. And now we got giant woman, uh, apparently hunting him down. I've not played the demo. I've not looked at the demo. The only thing I've seen is that the, uh, tall lady can turn her hand into like Freddy Cougar, like long knives and like, yeah. oh. like lady death strike style. Lady it's pretty, strike it's pretty messed up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I won't spoil anything for you, Derek, then because there are some good jump scares to be had for sure. But I'm nice. curious if this is going to be the kind of thing where it, it's not quite as, I don't think there has been nearly as many Easter eggs as there are in something like PT, but I wonder if there, this is something where people are going to discover. Maybe there's an alternate demo ending, or maybe there's something, some little Easter egg that, that players who are just hitting the critical path, which seems to be very short, have missed. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on that, and I'm curious to see if there's anything else to discover in this in this very small demo. I mm. I would be surprised if we got if there was nothing. Um, but I don't think I think it's going to be found by data miners before players. If that makes that's sense, that's probably yeah. true. That that that's, that's just what happens these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah. I think even in PT, like data miners ended up finding more stuff and using that to figure out problems that were previously unsolved so i i bet there's something extra hiding in the data of this demo but also have people even figured out how to data mine ps5 stuff yet i i genuinely i'm don't sure know. it's <laughs> probably on the way i don't know for yeah. sure but it has to be on the way um did uh it was you you actually mentioned resident evil 4 there was a rumor that went out today or a, a report i guess um, forgot to put this down in the news topics, but uh, just briefly talk, touch on it here, where apparently, uh, I think it was from VGC that reported on it, 
uh, Resident Evil 4 development has been passed from uh, M2, who developed Resident Evil 3, uh, to um, studio, like Studio One or something like that within Capcom. Uh, basically, the ones uh, who handled, I think, Resident Evil 2. So it was being developed by Resident Evil 3's developers, and now it's apparently being handled by Resident Evil 2's developers because Resident Evil 3 was Resident Evil 4 by M2 was going to be basically a one for one remake. And the Resident Evil 2 developers wants to have some changes in it. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's some flip-flopping going on there. And it seems, uh, I don't know, interesting. I don't. I, it's hard for me to say I need to see it. Whoever's buying, I need to see it in order to really say yeah. whether it's going to work or not. Because 4 is such a huge, huge entry in the series. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I could. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I mean, four was really good. It, it was really long. When the first time I played, it was a really long game mm. compared to the other games. The other games were just you know, you got your you know puzzles and then you can continue on. And this one was more, you know, you had so many vi- enemies to fight and you had loots now instead of you know finding it. I mean, they still had puzzles, but I think the environment was really good. And I can really see a lot of that from eight. You know, transitioning to, to four. That's what I feel the most is that. Eight's kind of like the precursor to whatever they're going to do to to four, and if the, if the if the remake two devs are going to be on it, then I'm pretty excited because they nailed it out of the park with with remake two. So I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see why Capcom would have made this made this internal development decision for four remake because you know obviously Resident Evil Four is one of the most celebrated games of all time uh, across genres across platforms, and three you know they. They didn't get it right with three, at least, you know, according to many people I've talked to. I haven't played three remake myself, but I, I really enjoyed two remakes. So I can see why they're being very careful with this. They have to strike a very fine line between being faithful to the original and carefully introducing new elements to four because you don't want to mess up a really good thing. Right. So yeah. it's going to be a very fine line to walk, but I have faith they can do it, especially given how great two remake turned out to be, in my opinion. So I don't like two remake, but right, no. I don't like it because it's faithful to Resident Evil 2, and I don't like Resident Evil 2. Uh, So that kind of gives me, you know, the fact that those same folks are helming Resident Evil 4 uh, gives me faith that they'll they'll change some things, but it'll likely still feel like Resident Evil 4. And that's a good thing to me because I do love Resident Evil 4. So if they can if they can overhaul a game, make it look much better, make it control better, because there's no mistake that RE2 Remake controls better than RE2, um, yeah. then I'm, I'm all for it. Because like I said, all the things that I didn't like about Resident Evil 2 Remake were the same things I didn't like about Resident Evil 2. So that's fine. Sure. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so I'm optimistic about this still. Um, also, Azran127, our resident, comma, evil pun master, uh, says they, they think the demo was made in good taste. I saw that. You, uh, uh, so as, Azran, you have been missed. You really, <laughs> you really good point. stuff, man. But also, also uh, that was like the pun equivalent of like slapping someone af- across the face with the glove. You just challenged the master, Ash. <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. did. <laughs> I know that's true I, by saying the whole Resident comma evil thing. I mean, I, I am known, at least in my own circle, for being the pun guy. Oh, um, no. It drives my wife crazy. She, I, I always do wordplay. Oh, see, and... you know, I mean, I, Amy loves puns. So I'm always in good company. If I, I think, I think for me, it's like Sola. I think she likes them. She just doesn't like to admit. I think she gets enjoyment out of them, <laughs> but she just doesn't like to openly admit it. 
I feel like Ash just encourages you inserting more. his just foot further more. into his mouth. We're just going to find a tweet from him tonight that says, sleeping on the couch tonight, dot, dot, dot. Oh, man. Good stuff. Well, with that, should we go ahead and uh, jump into our first news topic? Absolutely. Let's do it. Cool. Let's get that up on screen. And uh, it has recently been revealed by the Super Mario UK Twitter account that uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury is going to feature four-player co-op in the Captain Toad levels. And this, of course, the original 3D World is where uh, Captain Toad, uh, this is that style of gameplay, originated. So it's cool that we're getting to uh, you know play these levels again with the benefit of four-player co-op. Um, I don't know how much that will actually change things. They're already pretty short levels, but... You know, it's always nice to have more features and more options than less, right? So, this is cool to see. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I like Captain Toad. I think it's neat. I don't. I'm. I'm with you in that. I don't know what four players adds to it. Hopefully, like the levels right. have been slightly modified to make it work for four players. Because, I mean, looking back on them, and I don't have the greatest memory of them. I just don't. Like, I never thought, man, I need. I need three buddies for this. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I looking at this game clip, gameplay clip, two things stand out to me most. Uh, one, I like how the, all the toads have their existing personalities. That's fun. Uh, yeah. Glass is yeah. blue toad. That's, that's, that's cool. Um, but I also concerned the fact that you don't rotate the camera at all. And it shows that um, player one has control of the camera uh, based on those right. icons. But it's still a little like, hmm, that could be a lot of like hassle. Like everybody's trying to do their own thing and make progress. But a lot of the times it's almost like a linear path. So I feel like you're just going to get in each other's way a lot. So I like that you can all play, but nothing about this clip says that it's been adjusted to a, to accommodate the four players. So, I mean, it might fit in with 3D World pretty well, where you're just like kind of griefing each other anyway. So yeah, <laughs> the thing is sure. probably just going to come over here <laughs> yeah i'm not sure this actually adds anything that was missing in the first place it just seems like it's filling a hole that never really existed but again there's nothing wrong with it either so mm. it's completely optional it's there if you want it uh probably good for kids you know kid like families of kids who are playing together i would imagine that's pretty good although if only one of them has control over the camera maybe not um so yeah but again there's nothing offensive about this it's cool that it's there i guess yeah uh, well, with that said, uh, shall we move on to our next story? Sure. All right, let's get that up on screen. And uh, yeah, this comes by way of IGN. And uh, F- Peter Moore, formerly of Xbox and EA, has revealed he is rejoining the game industry, taking a position at Unity. Um, and I'll just go ahead and read out his tweet here. Uh, he says, hardly the biggest news of the, day, of the day, but I'm delighted to announce that I've joined the incredibly talented team at Unity 3D as Senior Vice President and General Manager of Sports and Live Entertainment. Delighted to be reunited with so many industry friends as we work on some really cool stuff. More to come. Um, so, yeah, th- those of you who know Peter Moore and his personality probably know that he got his start at Sega during the Dreamcast days, uh, and he was their president of Sega of America back in the day. And then he uh, went to Microsoft in the early 2000s to work on the OG Xbox. Um, and IGN reminds me of, of an, a great moment where he famously <laughs> revealed um, what apparently was a tattoo of the Halo 2 logo uh, and release date at E3 2004. I don't know if we ever found out if that was a permanent tattoo. It is real. Okay. It's real. That's cool. That just makes <laughs> it even better. All right. I mean, is that, yeah. there's worse games to get a tattoo of on, your, on oh, you. Yeah, they, they just totally. have 
the Microsoft Zune guy who tattooed the logo Ooh. on his arm. And, and, fun fact, renamed himself Microsoft Zune, which is, I wow. Think I, I hope he got paid a lot. I yeah. wow. it for free. Uh, Broly, I'm going to throw this to you, man. Uh, do you have any feelings either way on Peter Moore? Um, I mean, not, not really. I mean, I've, I've heard of him. Obviously I, I know that he's done a lot to like the sports gaming. And, uh, I used to be a big sports game, uh, player back in the day, but not so much anymore. Um, I mean, I do, you know, I do see the, the community and tournaments and stuff like that. So I do hope, you know, it, it can be improved. I know a lot of people lately have not been a uh, real big fans of the sporting games, especially, like the Maddens and FIFAs of, of, of these last few years. So I'm hoping it can improve it and, and make it more enjoyable. Uh, I know a lot of people have problems with their loot box or I don't think they call it like ultimate team um, mm-hmm. where they kind of like open packs to get players and stuff like that. And so uh, I don't know. I hope I hope it's it's it becomes uh, something enjoyable for more people. I would love to get into it. It's just kind of, you know, weird to – Weird spot right now, but hopefully he does really well. Yeah, it's a bit of he has a story career, you know, being a psycho from Dreamcast. It's it, it's funny to see him kind of work on. Sad to say, some of the more less successful uh, days of a lot of these companies, like trying to hang on to yeah, Sega with the Dreamcast that didn't work. Uh, yeah. Trying to help Microsoft with the Xbox, which hey, it had a good foot in the door, but three sixty is where they really came into their own. And then, you know, EA, which I don't know how, like, was there a lot of good changes around from his time? Uh, Yeah, basically his 10 years with EA heading up the sports division. I don't know. I didn't really hear any different. But the the thing I find interesting about Peter Moore is like he's he's one of those rare executives that has fans and, and I don't understand uh-huh. one. I don't understand the practice of executives having fans. <laughs> like I, I don't get that. Like, hey, you're rich. Good job. Like, go you. He has I, a personality, I mean, though, I mean, Steve. I think that's more. Does it. like, he oh wow, these guys have a personality. Like, okay, Maybe. I get. He got I a tattoo. So. <laughs> I get Reggie. Okay, I totally get Reggie. I was there at the beginning of the Reggie hype. I remember people in the IGN vestibule saying that Reggie's footsteps filled with fresh flowers. Like I remember that, Um, but I never understood truly never understood the hype around Peter Moore. At least Reggie was like this big linebacker ass, like intimidating (laughs) dude that came out and his first words were like, I'm going to kick ass. Like I get that. I get that Reggie made a great first impression, Um, but Peter Moore was just like, I don't know, like the, gaming equivalent of the pringles guy like he was inoffensive (laughs) but he didn't really do anything except for the really weird halo tattoo that i can remember like he joined sega right as they were getting out of the hardware business then jumped to xbox and was there before they got popular and then i feel like ea sports was never not going to be successful like they had the exclusive license to the nfl (laughs) like I, and people in America love football, so those games were going to sell <laughs> no matter what you do. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I have a hard time imagining a scenario where Madden doesn't sell and EA still has exclusive NFL rights. Right. I mean, like, I, I see what you're saying. I, I personally have always found Peter Moore to be a pretty affable guy. I think that's kind of, I don't know, he just seems kind of 
he's nice fun and nice and approachable. I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of his either, but I, I think I can see the appeal. I mean, he is to- it's definitely a, like people know the name Bobby Kotick. I don't think you're going to find a fan of Bobby Kotick. Right. <laughs> right. My, my point is he seems to me like, <coughs> like a Doug Bowser, if you will, like Doug Bowser is <coughs> not a bad guy. But he, he's not exciting. Like, I, I don't go like, man, right. I, I need to the see what Doug Bowser's is tweeting about today. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, although I guess when you're when you're being stood up next to people like Reggie and especially Iwata, it's very difficult Fair. for, you know, to kind of reach that level of. I, right. Yeah. But I'd say even Trinan, Bill Trinan has a bit more. Bill Trinan also. Than... I would say that, too. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. I would definitely, in terms of interesting Nintendo personalities, Trinan is definitely a cut above Doug Bowser for me. Uh, mm. just seems more for lack of a better term like human like mm. like there's something there's something about the big like gaming exec personalities that that I personally am a fan of that uh, they feel approachable and and real as not even though you know all their statements are are vetted by the same amount of corporate lawyers as every other executive but mm. I, I'm just saying there's there's something about the way they carry themselves that makes them feel. Like you, like you want to follow them. I, I don't know what it is, but it works. Right, uh, and you know, I, I don't really see how this is, um, you know, unless you're really into Unity. Maybe, maybe this is exciting if you are. But I agree that I don't know that Peter Moore has the history of of having done really crazy, incredible things that are, are cause enough to, or that's cause enough to get people to be excited about this maybe he does i mean i i have I wish nothing but success for the guy and yeah, i think absolutely. it's also it's, it's also worth mentioning that maybe he did leave microsoft prior to their explosive growth with the xbox 360 but it should also be mentioned that the xbox 360 would not have ever been a thing without the og xbox oh yeah it, that was so, ballsy to just get into the industry in the first place so yeah to pull it off and not like die immediately like the 3 <laughs> or name the Ouya. How many systems yeah, Ouya. yeah. <laughs> no so, so wish him all the best. I, I hope this works out for him and, and I hope this, uh, you know, results in positive things for everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of, uh, of positive growth and positive change, let's go ahead and uh, get our next story up on screen. And uh, this is pretty wild. GameStop, man, uh, <laughs> only, nine, only nine months ago, GameStop's fortunes were not looking so hot. And uh, oh, they still just aren't. a short time. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, never mind. I I have a lot to say on this one. So so no, I, I think we all no, that'd do. be fun. Yeah. So essentially, GameStop's stock has surged fifteen hundred percent in nine months, causing some uh, you know explosive short term growth. And uh, we'll see where things go from here. But Steve, I'm going to kick this over over to you because clearly you're just dying to talk about this. Yeah. So my brother took part in this. I found out very oh. recently. So oh, wow. I I had him okay. give me like a deep explainer on this. He used to work for GameStop up until um I want to say maybe 6 months ago. And so he jumped on this. He he knew what was going on, I guess. And uh so GameStop stocks like 6 months ago or 9 months ago, whatever, they were down at like 3 bucks. Real low. And mm. As as I understand, because I've I've read a number of articles about this, because when your brother calls you and tells you he pulled a six figure sum out of GameStop and and that you missed the boat, you get you get a very deep need to research this situation. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, I I looked into it, and what what had apparently happened was you know GameStop has not been in great shape. We all know that they closed like a thousand stores or something nationwide uh, last year, and 
Um, they, because of that, their stock took a nosedive, and apparently, all of this growth is speculative in a way. So people mm-hmm. like in stock traders had decided to do uh, short sells on GameStop, meaning that they were borrowing stock from people who owned it and selling that borrowed stock, which apparently is a thing you're just allowed to do. <laughs> I, I, I mean, never <laughs> understood stocks. They are so yeah, weird. It's, it's basically no. legal gambling is how I feel about it. But anyway, they sold these stocks they didn't own. And uh, with the assumption that they were selling them for a higher price than what they'd be worth in a couple of months. Well, apparently this subreddit full of like the worst people, like, like the oh, subreddit no. bills itself as Ooh. if 4chan got a Bloomberg terminal and, oh, and the posts you see on that subreddit are definitely reflect those values. Um, and they, uh, they bought up all the stock that was out there. So these investors cannot make good on what they borrowed. They have to buy the <laughs> stock back from these Redditors that are holding it. And because oh, the no. now the supply has vastly outstripped the demand, these Redditors are able to sell this stock back at insane markups. It's basically the PS5 of the stock market. Like, there's not enough, and people want it because There's they scalpers. have a need for it. Yeah, and yeah. Reddit is actively scalping GameStop itself back to Wall Street, wow. which is the best in a weird kind of way. But a lot of these folks have gotten insanely rich doing this. Like, I saw somebody post right. that they've made $7 million doing this. That's I'm really insane. sad I didn't, um, I didn't find my I, way I, in on this. Because I'll, I'll tell you what. I feel really bad when someone scalps a PS5. I don't mm-hmm. know how bad I feel about people scalping GameStop the corporation. I, I don't think I feel <laughs> bad about it at all. <laughs> I know how bad I feel about it, and that's not at all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to feel too much uh, sympathy for, for GameStop, given their, their history, the industry of, you know, and we all know how horrifically, awfully uh gamestop the low-level gamestop employees are, are mistreated mm. um you know how they have to push pre-orders and, and push uh bundles and, and stuff and you know you see that i mean it's so bad that i just actively avoid going to gamestop because first of all i don't want to give them my money but second of all i don't want to be harassed by not not harassed i want to be make, make that clear they're not harassing me because they're jerks they're harassing me to, to add all the stuff i don't want oh, because they'll lose their jobs if they don't yeah. and oh, yeah. i don't want to be part of that and, and yeah Working in retail, they will tell you to say stupid stuff. You're like, oh, I don't want to bug people about this because I know they don't care. Exactly. But they make you do it. But they make you do it. And, and you know, you have they have very, very strict quotas to meet. And, you know, they're they're constantly, as far as I've heard anyway, living in fear of losing their jobs if they don't meet certain quotas. And I just don't want to be part of that. And, yeah, so I, I don't feel bad for GameStop at all. Um, How are you feeling, Broly? Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about this? I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you guys. I mean, the, you know, the the workers are always uh, pushed to do these kind of things. Uh, you know, sell their you know uh, game passes and and these uh, pre orders and stuff like that. So I understand. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's just terrible, especially when with COVID going around. You know, they don't want to lose their jobs, so it's it's really hard for them to put themselves out there when when you, people are just there to look at something specific or ask a question and then leave, you know? So mm-hmm. I totally understand. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, hope, hopefully we'll see where, where it comes down to, but I think uh, it's important to, to know that, you know, these guys do work and, and 
especially under extreme uh, pressures. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking a little bit more at this Ars Technica article, and it's really fascinating because it's, it's also, along with the stuff that Steve mentioned, it's also kind of built up because of a cult of personality. Because um, back in August, investor Ryan Cohen bought in uh, bought into roughly 10% ownership stake of the retailer. And he's best known as the founder of the pet food superstore Chewy.com, which yep. then sold to PetSmart for $3.35 for billion in 2017. And since that sale, Cohen has tended to invest his billions in big safe stocks like Apple and Wells Fargo. So the fact that he took a risk on GameStop was like, uh, what does he know that we don't? And I, from everything I understand, the stock market is very jumpy. So any kind of wind blowing in any certain direction yeah. will immediately get other people jumping on that bad bandwagon to see if it could uh, work out. And then the fact that he had sort of a vision of what GameStop could do uh, apparently bolstered that idea because he said GameStop's challenges stem from eternal intransigence and an unwillingness to rapidly embrace the digital economy. Uh so he said the company had to promptly pivot from a brick and mortar mindset to a technology driven vision. If GameStop takes the practical steps to cut its excessive real estate costs and hire the right talent, it will have the resources to begin building a powerful e-commerce pr- platform that provides pr- competitive pricing, broad gaming selection, fast shipping, and a truly high touch experience that excites and delight- delights customers, which all sounds like really nice, big, bold words. But what the hell does it mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. does it actually mean anything? And I can have a vision of that. Like, oh, okay. It's like Amazon GameStop, but GameStop actually goes out of their way to get some of these older titles that people don't uh, have trouble with and maybe offer it at a fair price or something to that degree and get built up that way. But that's very tough, very expensive and, you know, very niche. So I don't know if there's actually a way for this to make this happen, because GameStop's definitely been resisting digital because they're all their say, all their profits were from used game sales. Right. Yeah. It mean, seems I to think, be, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think that the, the first thing they need to do is cut down how many game stops are in per city. Uh, there's like, you know, 10 in like, you know, five mile radius. There, there shouldn't be yep. that many, mm-hmm. especially when they're competing with each other. When there's like one Best Buy and you know obviously Amazon's online, so I think if they just cut down on a lot of the product like buildings that they have and cut down on a lot of shops, I mean you know it's awful for employees, but you know it's better for them because you don't need ten game stops, you know, you, in one city, you just need yeah. you know here and there. Um, yeah. But I definitely could see it happening like that. I mean, they do have the used games, they do have good deals and trade-in deals and stuff like that. So they definitely can, you know, use that to help themselves up, especially against the competition. Because the competition, yeah, we sell games, but we're not really, specific, you know, specifically for games. And GameStop is. Right. So they need to like right. focus more on what they do, and you know, yeah. use that mm-hmm. instead of just sticking to the old ways. Because the old ways is not going to work anymore. So they got to they got to do new stuff. Right. One of one of the things I want to point out because uh, XQ Jonas said it earlier in the chat is you know uh, not liking the company is doesn't necessarily equate to not liking the stores themselves. Like I actually sure like like the store down right around the corner from my house. Oh, and yeah, I, I have think no game, trouble with that. Yeah, I think GameStop has had 
uh, at least in, in my area, has done a good job of hiring people that know what the hell they're talking about, understand games. Like, I, I will admit, like, I go there and I often find myself, like, talking with the cashier uh, just about random stuff because, one, it's COVID and I barely ever see people. Like, if I have to run <laughs> in real quick, I find myself, like, just conversing because I'm like, hey, another person <laughs> like that's different from the people in my house. But the uh, the other part of that is that you know, it doesn't excuse the behavior of the company, which is unfortunate because a lot of them are treated like crap. I've worked at GameStop. Um, I know. And, yeah. and I'm surprised we've made it this far, Broly, without mentioning this. Uh, your brother, Vash, uh, one of our patrons in the chat, uh, mentioned that he used to work for GameStop as well. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, he used to work at GameStop. Yeah, yeah he didn't seem day. to be a huge fan either. So. <laughs> Nobody I talked to that used to work at GameStop enjoys GameStop. The only thing I heard yeah. that was nice uh, for an old friend that worked at GameStop for a while is that um, when they got games in, they were allowed, I don't know if this is still a policy, but but employees could open up new copies and take them home to play for a little while and then bring them back and they'd be sold kind of still as new just with the case open. You just had to treat it very well. So it just made it like a little like, hmm, what's I feel safe for the customer at the end, but it's also like, well, that's kind of a nice perk that you get to play these games. So it's a Kind of a double-edged sword of very, very odd policies, but yeah, yep. That know. was I can I can attest to that. When I worked there, that was a I mean, but I worked there like in the wee days. <laughs> but mm. uh, when I worked uh. there, that was definitely a thing you could do. Vash is actually in the chat right now. It says it sucked because uh, when I worked at GameStop, I had the intel. I kept up with what was coming out, knew what people wanted. All that didn't matter to the man, man uh, to the manager. Just pre-orders and Game Informer. Uh, and then, and then he to clarify what I was talking about, you could rent new games, but managers and keys got first dibs. So usually normal staff wouldn't, at least at my store. So a bit yeah. more of an insider into that. And it's, it's such a tricky thing because one, this just sort of cult of personality made this a big thing. I don't think this is all of a sudden saving GameStop because nothing's fundamentally changed about GameStop. Even the changes presented is not really going to save GameStop because now all of a sudden they're competing with the digital storefront of Amazon and, you know, every right. other store out there. And, mm. and GameStop's online strategy is, is the worst among big retailers that do video games. Like they don't do free shipping. Like yeah. I think at all, which is insane. Like, like I'm buying a game that weighs what, like a couple ounces, if that, and you won't ship it for free. It costs 60 bucks. Now it costs 70 bucks. If we're talking next gen, Give yeah. me the dollar like, for for shipping the game. Uh, yeah. yeah I, it, it's I also absurd. used to work at GameStop back in the day. Uh, not for very long, so I don't have any crazy stories about corporate mistreating me or other people. But it wasn't a positive experience. And and you could tell even for the short time that I worked there that, you know, we were we were thrown the scraps. Like the, the people I worked with, as well as myself, we didn't even get 20 minutes for lunch uh, from our managers Ooh. frequently. And, uh, you know, and we worked in a mall. So just getting getting to and from lunch just to pick up anything with other people everywhere was tough. And it, it was not a not a good glamorous job. And you were absolutely expected to push pre-orders and things that you knew people didn't want to care about uh, over just selling the games people want, you know, and push used and pushed. It was it was not. It was not a good experience. Um, also, I hadn't heard about this, but Jared Edinger in the chat mentioned there was a thing last year where corporate told the employees to do TikTok dances to get extra work hours. 
I hadn't heard about that. I heard something like that. Yeah, where like the, the winner would get free work, or they'll be able to work an extra week. That's so know. gross. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's nasty. Oh man, that's so gross. Um, before we move on to the next story, I just want to say uh, welcome to Javier Fuentes, who said hello, fellow GBG patrons. Um, <laughs> I that's not a name I've seen in the chat very much, so I just wanted to say welcome and thank you for joining us live. Um, yeah, with that said, so. oh, shall we? Uh, I'm excited about this next one, Broly. I can't wait to get your take. <laughs> oh, all, same. This is all you, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, with that said, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next story then. So a South Korean ratings board has listed SNK versus Capcom match of the millennium for Switch, which is a possible sign that uh, Capcom and SNK are finally willing to work together again. And uh, Broly, given your incredible pedigree, obviously, I want to go straight <laughs> to you with this story. How are you feeling about this? Uh, wow, <laughs> that's pretty exciting, I guess. You know, I mean, uh, yes, Capcom versus K, CBS, and CBS 2, obviously, you know, one of the big major milestone games or cornerstones of the fighting game community uh everyone loves that game everyone still gets hyped up and always wonders where cvs3 come in uh i don't see this happening just because capcom likes to put everything on the switch nowadays um Mm. you know they got all their devil cry series and again the resident evil series and mega man so why not um i don't know how it's gonna be you know i know street fighter 6 is on the way and everybody wants dark stalkers and so uh, and I know KOF is already coming out. SNK is already coming out with a new KOF. So it's kind of weird because, you know, there, there, there's titles coming that we know or that are being developed. And so for them to, you know, start thinking about CVS, I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a new, a new one. I'm hoping, but who knows? I mean, CVS, CVS 2, uh, Capcom versus SNK is always a, a good one. And there's so many characters, like, it's a dream now. You can put, you know, Phoenix Wright versus whatever, right? Or, yeah. uh, you know, so there's so many, uh, so many people that can be in it nowadays, which is very exciting. Um, I just hope it's not, you know, in the same boat as, you know, Marvel Infinite, like they did. Well, at least they don't have Disney messing with things in that case. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I I love uh, what this could possibly indicate. I used to get together with friends every every weekend, every Saturday night during my college days, and we would have a CBS2 tournament. I would always lose. I don't think I even ever made it to the finals once, but it didn't matter. It was so fun, and we just had so much fun playing the game. And to my mind, I mean, I, I, I like fighting games, and I've played quite a few of them, but I, I'm obviously not like a hardcore fan who knows everything about them. But I have never played a game since CBS2 that quite scratches that same specific itch that CBS2 does in the way it feels to play. And uh, I, I really hope this leads to something more. But with yeah. SNK and Capcom teaming up again, I think there's massive potential here. CVS2 for me is special. Uh, well, the CVS series is special because it is the only crossover game that feels like I, I don't know. That feels like a real crossover, if that makes sense. Like Marvel vs. Capcom, or or any of the the you know X Men versus Street Fighter, or any of the games that preceded it. Uh, nobody controlled the way you expected them to. The Street Fighter characters all had to be buffed up to like you know compete with the X Men or whoever. So Ryu, Ryu's Shinku Hadoken becomes like a Kamehameha size blast. <laughs> you know, um, everybody gets these absurd power ups, which is cool, but it doesn't feel like Street Fighter. It feels like its own thing. 
Whereas Capcom versus SNK feels like, you know, you've got the Capcom side and it controls exactly how you'd expect. And you got the SNK side and it controls exactly how you'd expect. So it truly feels like a mashup of two fighting games coming together, you know, and, and just working in harmony somehow, despite, you know, SNK and Capcom having some different design philosophies around fighting games. But they mesh so well together. And I have been dying, dying for a CVS3 uh, for, for a long time now. And I, I guess, you know, this news is like you said, Ash, it's not necessarily exciting because of what it is on its face. It's exciting because it means that SNK and Capcom had to talk to make this happen and that those talks were successful. So hopefully that means that, you know, the same is true in reverse and we, we can get at least ports of Capcom versus SNK one mm-hmm. and two on something modern and we can play these games yeah. again. Uh, you know, it, not barring a, a full sequel, which would be the dream. <laughs> right. I have not played any of the Capcom versus <clears throat> SNK games, mainly because I didn't really know much about SNK at the time. Plus, I don't really play a lot of fighters. I did pick up Marvel versus Capcom 3 and enjoyed the hell out of that. But now that I have more of a familiarity with SNK's lineup, I'm way more interested in this. And I haven't oh, picked up a fighting game in a while. If, but this might be a good one to get get to because I, you know, now I have a bit more fighting game, you know, experience under my belt. Uh, I can maybe get into it a little bit more. Granted, my experience is still more along the lines of like Blaze Blue and uh, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Great <laughs> Not, game, right. nothing too, which are very different. I did play a bit of Street Fighter Four, uh, and you know, again, Marvel versus Capcom Three. So I can hold my own. But every time I went online, I was like, "Well, I'm getting destroyed." <laughs> that's that's usually where my <laughs> uh, interest died. Like I am all about the single player. Keep if you can keep me interested in the sing- the single player aspect of a game, I'm usually pretty good because I don't normally have friends that I can play these games with. So it, it, I go online and I'm just like, well, time to get my butt kicked, and it's just not worth <laughs> playing for me. Yeah. That's where uh, NetherRealm excels is the single player yeah. experience. They really excel at that with games like Mortal Kombat 11 and 10 and 9, and um, and you know, Injustice. In so definitely, I think those are those are the where to go for this robust single player experiences. Um, getting back to CBS, I think obviously the dream for all of us would be to get the Dreamcast Dreamcast ports of uh, yes. CBS one and two on the Switch. I think that would be in, in all modern platforms, not just the Switch even. Um, but I do want to throw out a little love to an uh, to a, a not very frequently mentioned game that maybe wasn't the best, but I, I liked it in, in its own way, and that's SVC Chaos, which uh, was only in arcades yeah. and on Neo Geo. No, that's not true. It was a bit it was a bit janky. But it's also still the only game to have the Mega Man Zero version of Zero as a playable character. It was, and it was, it was awesome. Was of, yeah, he was so fun to play as, and that was one of the good. few. Sorry, what'd you say? He was pretty broken, from what I remember. He was quite played, broken. He was pretty broken. Yeah, yeah, but he that that was one of the few games I actually one of the few non Smash fighting games I really dug in and learned because I was really competitive with my best friend at the time. And so I would play Zero, and he would play, other, I can't remember which character, but another character, and we just learned the mechanics and got really deep into it, despite the game itself maybe not being the best. I, I do have to point out, though, that SVC Chaos was available on the OG Xbox. Oh, was I had, it? I had it for okay. that, yeah. And it is it is absolutely <laughs> like like a janky, kind of kind of broken fighting game, but in the best possible way. It's really fun. Like, I, I yeah. love that game. And, and I love seeing SNK, because at the time, they were really... 
pushing the envelope with 2D sprite-based art, uh, I loved seeing their takes on Capcom characters, and they were all right. universally great. Like, I I still love that game. I, I should... It's not even expensive on Xbox. I should go pick that up again. I don't know what happened <laughs> to my copy. I mean, is it probably playable in Series X? So there you that's go. A, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, the, the back compat list for original Xbox games on Series X is really small. So oh, I'm going okay. to wager not, but... Uh, I, I thought it kind of opened up, but I, I didn't, you know, didn't realize. I, I, I remember, I, oh, sorry, stumbling. It's really funny to me because you're talking about the sprite quality of SNK. And meanwhile, I was thinking to Darkstalkers where Morgan kept showing up in, you know, crossovers and other games and they never updated her sprite. It was always the same oh, yeah. Darkstalker sprite, oh, yeah. which apparently looks awful. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, um, so, Derek. Vash does point out in the chat that Broly does train people in fighting games. So if you ever need help, if you ever want to undergo some training, I can verify you he is being quite on your good. friends, you know, and start, oh, start boy. friends, you know, where who to talk to now. Yeah. Do you do you offer any training in Smash, Broly? Uh, I have actually. Uh, I, I've actually trained an eleven-year-old. Um, okay. Oh wow. Yeah, his dad came up to me while like online, and he's like, "Hey, you know, do you do Smash? Because my 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 son doesn't have anyone to play." And wants to learn, and so I was like, "Yeah, okay, that that be that be pretty cool." And so uh, I tried, and and we actually trained for about three months. And I had oh, told wow. him before that I was like, "You know, my specialty is more Street Fighter. I know Smash. I played Smash Ultimate, mm-hmm. but my you know my teaching can only go for so far." And so after three months, he kept wanting to go, and I had to like I felt bad, but I had to tell his dad I was like, "You know, I've taught him everything I know. Like he's already sure. good. Like he's actually got good." And nice. so I told him, like, you know, like, I think, you know, I don't want to be taking your money and just playing your your, your son, you know, like, I could do that. Oh, no, that's time. very honorable of you. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So he said, yeah, he understood. Now he, well, at first he was like, okay, now teach me Smash. But then he kind of, I didn't know what happened to him. But now he wants me to teach uh, his other son or his, like, the, the son's brother uh, how to play Street Fighter. So hopefully that nice. works. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. family. Nice. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty, um, it's very nerve-wracking to teach uh, a younger generation. I'm usually teaching 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds how to play, and uh, now I'm playing teaching, like, 11 and 12-year-olds. I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be strict or not really strict, right? But, like, you mm-hmm. he's doing bad, should I be, like, pointing it out? But, I mean, I, I, I kind of learned along the way, but it was definitely nerve-wracking teaching. Because I was like, I don't – because he – they were basically – they basically got me to, to train him for a tournament. Mm-hmm. And so gotcha. I was like, oh, my God, please do not go on to like, I do not <laughs> want to feel like I've wasted this man's money and stuff. And yeah. actually, he, he made it pretty far. He went almost to the end of his pool. So wow. I was like, okay, I'm really good. Okay, I, I was sighing relief right there. But yeah, that's really, I, that's, it was, it was a great humbling experience. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, this thirty-something-year-old may be reaching out to you at some point because you know I'm 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 pretty good at Smash. I do okay in tournaments, but I'm always looking to take my game to the next level, and I could certainly use some training. So oh, yeah. I may be reaching out. You're to You're already so killing me, Ash. I don't I don't need any. <laughs> yeah, any if better. any if anyone in GVG <laughs> needs training in Smash, uh, it's this guy. <laughs> I am terrible at Smash. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out that uh, Charlie Bird and Michael McCaw in the chat uh, reminded me that. Uh, the Mega Man Zero version of Zero was also in an Onimusha fighting game, along with Mega Man.exe, and I had completely forgotten about that. So, wow. thank you for that reminder. So many Mega nice. mentions going on. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I love it. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and move on to this next story, which is, uh, hmm, I got, I got <laughs> some thoughts on this, and I think we all probably Yeah. Mm. These next few are definitely some thought-related yeah. stories. Uh, so, unbelievably, Microsoft had, has decided that it is a very good idea during a pandemic to double the price of Xbox, Xbox Live Gold to $120 per year, or more specifically, $60 for six months of gold. And obviously this is a push to get people into Game Pass Ultimate, and I get that. But man, double the price? Like, that suddenly? And when PlayStation's doing no such thing, this just feels so scummy since people just dropped hundreds of dollars on new Xbox Series X consoles. And yeah. it feels so gross to me. But what do you how, how you, uh, how are you guys feeling about this? Uh, not so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never owned an Xbox, so I didn't. I really wasn't paying attention to this whole thing. But I started seeing the anger rise up, and I looked more into it. And it's like, oh, that's a oof, that's a big increase. Things are a bit too, but maybe just not as high. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Microsoft is really banking on game uh, Game Pass being the thing. So, so they're mm-hmm. trying to push everyone away from gold with this increase. But it's such a bad way of doing it. You know, you don't. You're already in a losing fight right now. You know, we're waiting for you to to come out with games. Like I keep wanting to to get an Xbox Series X, and then I'm always reminded, no, don't get it. Wait till Halo. And I'm like, okay, because. There's nothing really worth getting right now, so why would I want to do that? I'm stuck on my, you know, Xbox One, and now it's like you're gonna make me pay more just to play online, you know, with gold and stuff. Um, it's it's it, like I saw it, and I was just like, and I'm a like a big, you know, Xbox fanboy and stuff, so I like, you know, I like it. I know, you know, we lost the last console war, but still, you know, it's just not, especially when the pandemic is going on. Like, there's no real reason. Yeah. I don't understand the, the 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 reasoning. Like, if you want people to get off of Xbox Gold, then just find a way to merge the two, or you know, cancel that and get people to to do Game Pass because you know Game Pass is great, and I love Game Pass, but yeah. yeah. Oh so I I'm gonna sound like a bit of an apologist here, <laughs> but there's there's a reason. I promise. I promise. Right. Okay, so okay. if you if you look right, like, um. And I, I'm not going to pretend I know the breakout of how this works, but they only increase the price on the one and the three month sub. Like if you're if you're going year to year, like paying the sixty dollars, they didn't up the price on that at all. But that also defies logic. <laughs> like if if a year is still sixty bucks, how is a month now eleven bucks? Um, I mean that doesn't make a ton like at least previously the tiers kind of sort of made sense like you got a very minuscule discount for buying a year at a time it was like five or ten percent you know and now it's 50 mm-hmm. percent, which seems like very bizarre like so i think people are kind of incorrectly stating that this is only designed to uh oh, oh you know what hold on i'm no, I'll say, i'm reading this wrong minute, i'm totally yeah. reading this wrong no i take it back <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I, so I saw Wario's tweet and I was like, I just saw the top one said 59. And I was like, oh, that must be a year. Well, Microsoft, nope. I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> yeah, it's six there's, months. There's no excuse. Six months. 
Uh, that being said, I'm still holding on to like 15 years of uh, or 12 years of Game Pass Ultimate plus Xbox Live. Oh, yeah, now yeah. seems like that a just great became time to more give valuable. those away. Yeah. <laughs> and and I guess kind of uh, related to what you were saying, Steve, it is worth pointing out just in the interest of fairness that if you are an existing online or existing 12-month or 6-month gold subscriber, there is no price change. And if you choose to renew your membership, it will renew uh, oh, no, actually, it'll renew at the current price. So I guess that means it renews at the, at the new price. The wording there is a bit weird. We're all trying to find apologies that this is not I working. Guess. Yeah, exactly. But, like, well, maybe it is. The, no, yeah. no. It's a okay, the way I read that is if you are already subscribing to Xbox Live Gold, you are you're you can grant be grandfathered in at the original price of 60 bucks a year. Yeah, but if yeah. you stop your subscription, then to buy back in, it's at the new price of 120 a year. So or sixty for six months. As as somebody who is consistently singing the praises of Game Pass and how it's the best value in gaming, and and repeatedly I've said this on on every YouTube video I've been on where I've talked about Game Pass. I don't understand how the money works, and this makes me mm-hmm. really concerned that the money doesn't work for Game Pass, and they're like, yeah. we need to find a way to push people into that Game Pass ecosystem because it's not working out. Um, so I'm really, 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 really curious if uh, this is uh, a move. Well, one, it's it's very clearly a move designed to get people to move over to the more expensive or now less expensive option that is Xbox Game Pass, uh, which includes Xbox Live Gold. Um, this whole thing, this is not is how you so do it. Messed up. It's no. not how you do it. No. It's not the right time to do it. Not that there's ever a great time to hike up prices by 50%. Um, what you do... What, 100%. If, if, or by 100%. Yeah, I apologize. If if the goal is to get people to move over to your different product, uh, I think the way you do this is... And it's so funny because I'm pulling an example from Microsoft's own playbook is you let them know that you're sunsetting this thing, that Xbox Live, as you know it, gold is going away and Mm. Game Pass is just now part of Xbox Live. And because of that, because we're giving you access to a library of so many games, it costs more. And, you know, we're sorry we have to do this, but this is how we keep the lights on. And I don't know. That is way better. Yeah, it's it's better. Right. Other than just like, hey, guess what? 2021's here. Get fucked. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I, I just don't know how you do it otherwise like this is i i tried man i thought I, grandfathering people is is great that's cool but uh there's a lot of people you know that can't afford to buy a year at a time uh can't afford yeah. to stay subbed yeah. consistently year after year i know a lot of friends who make a lot of money and still aren't subbed year to year because they wait for you know, deals to come out towards Christmas where they'll go, oh, hey, a year of Xbox Live is 30 bucks. I'll buy three years right now. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't I, I probably know more people that aren't just subbed on an ongoing basis than than are. And I, mm-hmm. I imagine this move is designed to to uh, put a hurt on those folks. So they go to Game Pass. For the, so they perceive a greater benefit for their money. Right. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it, it, it's weird, too, because it's not as though Microsoft is doing this where, when they're in a position of power. I mean, they're doing fine. They're doing great with the Xbox Series X. It's been it's sold well, but it's not as though they're on top. I mean, PS5 is killing it. And so is the Switch, obviously. So it's not as though they're doing this from a place where they can say we are on top of the industry. We are number one. We can. This isn't arrogant Sony, you know, charging yeah. 600 bucks for the PS3 because the PS1 and PS2 dominated their generations. Microsoft is not on top right now. 
so that just makes this even weirder. And Wolf X Blake says, says something that I was actually kind of thinking too. I never thought I'd say this, but they say, you know, Nintendo's online is looking a lot more appealing now. <laughs> and I got to say, you know what? Nintendo's online may be very, may average, be average and suck a lot of the time, but at least they price it accordingly. 20 I mean, bucks a year is worth it for that and, you know, 100 classic games or however many there are between NES and SNES now. And I saw something else that a lot of people have been pointing out is the fact that only on Xbox do you have to have gold in order to play free-to-play online games. Like on both oh, PlayStation, true? yeah, on both PlayStation and Switch, if you want to play Fortnite, you don't need to have their online stuff. You want to play Fortnite on Xbox, you need to have that gold pass. And yeah, that's... This just gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I think my... The reason I think is they're probably banking on end of the year sales. Like they think they're gonna come out swinging at the end of this year. So they're like, all right, let's kind of hope, oh, let's 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 pick up prices now. Let everyone be all boohoo now. But by the time we reveal Halo or the next Bethesda th- title or whatever, everybody's gonna be clamoring for it. So we'll make up for it. So we'll probably take losses now, but we'll make up for it later. That's my thinking of what's gonna happen. I don't know, but good work. We're just, I don't know. Xbox is just kind of there, and we're waiting for something to happen. Nothing yet has happened. Yeah. yeah. With Ar- Arkwing says, I guarantee Sony is looking at this price increase, and they will probably increase PS Plus in the future if Microsoft commits this, which I said something er- uh, along those lines earlier. But to just jump off of that, does Sony just do the increase as well, or is this their end to do a game pass like service for a bit more and have sort of use steve's idea mm-hmm. to a degree yeah. and all of a sudden like yeah. so hey you guys wanted to get all those ps1 ps2 and ps3 games that aren't backwards compatible here's a digital service where you can play them right. or something like that and yeah. it's like uh an additional uh, it's 120 bucks a month a year same price but you have access to the entire catalog do you do it i would I do know. it right i mean <laughs> oh yeah Things could go the way we are saying Arcwing for sure. But, you know, cooler heads could possibly prevail over at Sony and they could realize that this is a moment for them. This is a oh, potential yeah. moment where Microsoft is handed very them. good at grabbing those moments. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, say. Microsoft has handed them a massive opportunity, basically on an Xbox Live golden platter, <laughs> which is just, you know, <laughs> for them to really, really stick it to them with this ridiculous 100% price increase. Yep. Yeah, you know, I I keep thinking, like, Sony very seldom passes up a chance to gut-check Microsoft. Like, they they relish these opportunities. So I could definitely Mm -hmm. see a tweet coming out next week sometime that just says, PSN is still 60 bucks. You're welcome. (laughs) Like, or something like that. Like, you know, and I I just, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I I feel like, so there's, there's a lot of danger here. One. Microsoft just burned up a lot of goodwill when they didn't have a ton to burn to begin with. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like uh, looking now, now that the launch of these consoles is in the rear view, I can safely say that I feel like they were locked in a game of chicken and Microsoft was just hoping Sony would swerve like that. They would delay the PS five. So Microsoft could be like, Oh, we're delaying it too. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, Because (laughs) they launched like Sony didn't launch with a lot. Like, we got Miles Morales, we got, you know, Sackboy, we got a few other things, but it wasn't like 
a packed lineup, but Microsoft launched with nothing. <laughs> like they didn't have a first party yeah. game. Yeah. They they had they enhanced some last gen stuff that had been out for a while already, but they didn't have a big first party title to launch with the system. And I think Microsoft was like, oh, like, please, can we just buy enough time to get Halo Infinite out the door with this thing? <laughs> because yeah. I, I think the Xbox Series X is a fine console, but it will not pick up in popularity until some big first party game comes out. And I, I think that they know that they've been caught with their pants down to a degree. And I just don't know how they find their way out of this now, because I think I subscribe to this theory that you only have so much time at the beginning of a generation to make the case for why people should buy your hardware. And it almost never works out if you don't have that case made within the first month. The only right. time it ha it's turned around is Sony with the PS3. They I, somehow righted that ship. Somehow. I, I don't I would understand argue it. that the that there's a second instance, and that's Nintendo with the original model of the 3DS. When they yeah. when they did the ambassador program and slashed the price by like seventy bucks, that's when the three DS yeah. just skyrocketed off. But yeah. before that, that it was pretty lukewarm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I they could they could turn it around, but I don't know. Like right now, I my timeline is full of people talking about PS fives, people trying to get PS fives, Derek trying to get a PS five. I don't see anybody going. Damn, I need to find that Series X. Like, where's my Series yeah. X? I can't get it. You yeah. know, like people just aren't talking about it. People are buying them, sure, but they're not. the The fervor doesn't seem to be there around around the console yet, and it's because there's really not a ton of games. The other thing that I think could be deadly for Microsoft in this scenario is if Sony does make a Game Pass like service. Game Pass is doomed. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> what compare first parties like Sony is no Nintendo, sure, but they absolutely mop the floor with Microsoft when it comes to first party games. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they would got... be an RPG lover's dream if they did my idea. And all of a sudden, all these classic PS1 and PS2 RPGs were available easily to get as part yep. of a, a service like that. Yeah. That would be massive for a lot of people. Sony uh, has not only the the back catalog of their own games, but the inroads with Japanese developers to make a Game Pass-like service that is like nothing that we've seen before. Like, yeah, it, I, I would say Nintendo could do it, but Nintendo's never gonna. So if, if Sony does it, <laughs> yeah. I am there day one. I'll give you my 120 bucks all up front. I don't care. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the, the cherry on top of all of this is the fact that their big, big first-party exclusive that is supposed to be the big heavy hitter, Halo Infinite. The last time it was shown off, it just disappointed most most people, and it it just got delayed again. And of course, you know, delay it however long you need you to get it right. But it's not as though they can point to Halo Infinite and say, "Hey, but Halo Infinite, guys, you you know, you got to have that because it's not even making people happy right now." What they've seen. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's just I, this is a oh. wild decision that I just the optics here are so bad for Microsoft and they as you I think it was you Steve you said they don't have a whole lot of goodwill to burn to begin with right now so I don't get the thinking behind this other than trying to force people into ultimate but this isn't how you do it nope nope but uh, well we we've, we've belabored the point enough I think so let's go ahead and uh, move into our last news stories of the day news story of the day which unfortunately isn't much happier um. <laughs> So yeah, and that is uh, that Vicarious Visions, the developer behind the uh, recent remakes of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, as well as the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, uh, have been has been merged into Blizzard. And that uh, the statement apparently is that Vicarious Visions will be quote-unquote 
fully dedicated to Blizzard titles going forward. And <sighs> this just this sounds like bad news all around. I I hate to see that they've been fully absorbed into Blizzard and aren't going to be able to continue doing their own thing. This That's this just, feels this like is... congratulations, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. whoever made this decision in Activision is an idiot. Yeah. Like what is happening at Blizzard that they need this much help? <laughs> like there is some massive problems going on over there because I saw somebody pointed out. It's like, Oh yeah, it makes total sense to take the company that made one of the best remakes of last year and merge them into the company that made one of the worst remakes of last year. And as Nibel puts it on Twitter, they successfully revived the crash bandicoot IP themselves. Mm-hmm. They revived yeah. crash bandicoot and they made that amazing remake with Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two. And then this happens to them? That's just bullshit, man. Yeah. It's. This is why people don't like it when large companies scoop up smaller ones because we're afraid of exactly this happening. Like that company having their autonomy for a little while, doing some truly great work, and then just disappearing. And I, I get that these, you know, the. The silver lining of this story is that those folks aren't losing their jobs. Yeah. You know, they're they're being forced to work on crap, <laughs> but they're not losing their jobs. And that is that is an important distinction to make because all too often we see is. these studios get dissolved entirely and a bunch of talented people are left looking for work. So I'm I'm at least happy that the people behind Vicarious Visions can still provide for their families, can still put food on the table but I hate that they are being creatively drained in this way. Yeah. Although I, I guess one possible uh, silver lining, Javier Fuentes says, so what you're telling me is Tony Hawk will be a guest character in Overwatch. You know, I'd hate to see that. <laughs> I'd hate to see that. Fair enough. I want That's Crash like the one Bandicoot possible Overwatch, thing that could ever happen that would be okay with any of this, but It'll yeah, it's just interesting. Well, first, I, I want to get Broly's thoughts on this before I go into my diatribe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very sad to see. I mean, honestly, I was a big, I'm a big fan of, of Tony Hawk Pro Skater stuff. So for that to be remade and obviously Crash, like you guys said, Crash got pretty much uh, resurrected uh, with the, the insane trilogy. Now four came out. So, uh, and a lot of credits to, to, to the studio that made that, made that happen. Uh, for them to go to Blizzard, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a head scratcher and it's very sad to see just because. We want these great titles, you know. I know, you know, we're in a in kind of like in a an era of remakes and remasters, and people all want to hit their nostalgia buttons and want to see see things that they saw when they were kids brought back to life in the new stuff. Now it's like, well, who else do we turn to now for these kind of things, you know? And even if that were to happen, what stops another big corporation from taking them? Um, so yeah, it's really sad to see. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll get skateboards in, you know, in Nazareth. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll have uh, Tony Hawk as a Lucio skin in, in Overwatch. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, it's not, it's not fun. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't see what they could be working on unless you know, Activision says, hey, let's let's do Tony Hawk again or something. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 very it's very sad to see. I know I saw a lot of people get angry about this. Uh, as as I was because you know they were making great games so yeah. I, I don't know it doesn't look good obviously because you know Blizzard's a big bad company so we don't you know really like yeah. their decisions but um, 
as, as Steve said, you know, it's really great that at least their workers are going to be still working and nothing really changes that. So I guess that's good for them and yay for, for workers, you know, compensation. But yeah, it's really sad for us gamers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was looking at their wiki page just to see, get an idea of just what they worked on. Because here's the thing with Vicarious Visions in a strange sense is that they're not really known for original games. They have a lot of ports and uh, handheld titles like, of the you know, those versions and, you know, just licensed crap under their belt <laughs> like the, the ds version of b movie game kung fu panda uh they did you know they, they got some good stuff they got they did marvel ultimate alliance 2 on the ps3 and the xbox 360 that's good stuff um they made you know guitar hero on I, uh, ios and also guitar hero warriors of rock on the wii they did the 3ds version <laughs> ios versions of a couple skylanders before getting the main versions with swap force like and they've done game boy advance stuff they're the ones that did the crash bandicoot games on game boy advance a huge adventure and entranced like they are a weird weird company with a bunch of weird ports like they they ported jet set radio on the game boy advance they did <laughs> ultimate spider-man for the game boy advance and ds they did a bunch of of course those uh, tony hawking games on those portables uh and stuff like that they are all over the place but i think what hurts about this one is it felt like they were like with with crash the, the insane trilogy and tony hawk's pro skater one and two they found their groove they found their niche where they took these um classic games gave them a fresh coat of paint and maintain what made them work so well because honestly it's really impressive that these guys uh were able to go from gba development and the ios development to one of the insane trilogy looks freaking gorgeous uh and yeah. it's kind of insane in that way like their first really big uh game on ps4 was the skylanders games uh, and then they helped uh, as a support team for Bungie on Destiny 2 on Windows. Um, but they're, I don't know, it's such a weird thing because they, they obviously have talent. They're just sort of always taking where the wind blows. And this time Activision was like, eh, we're going to help you. I have you help out um, Blizzard instead because apparently they're struggling right now. So good luck. Yeah, I and not that I, I disagree with anything you said with there, Derek, but did I just hear you call and during all that Kung Fu Panda B movie? No. Okay, the I B wanted to make sure I didn't mishear you. The okay. B movie, comma, Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda is amazing. Gotcha. Okay. The B movie, <laughs> that was the one thing I pulled out. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Embrace yeah, the meme. I mean, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think we've all pretty much covered it here it's this is just uh it thankfully people have kept their jobs but it sucks creatively both for vicarious visions and for those of us who enjoy their their good output uh, clearly they've had it's been very inconsistent but they've also done some amazing things so mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's a shame they're getting kind of swept up into the blizzard cesspool but such as it is right um but with that we have reached the uh end of the day and the week's gaming news uh but before we head out Broly, would you please tell our wonderful audience where they can find you online, man? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm usually on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Slash Broly Legs. Uh, I'm usually streaming uh, games, like retro games nowadays. 
other than Street Fighter, nice. uh, Grandia. I've been working on Grandia. I've never played the game. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, series. And so it's been really cool, really fun. Um, been doing a lot of that. I also do uh, training uh, for Street Fighter and Smash. I, uh, and GameSense.com slash Broilikes is, is also another one that you can find me on. And uh, yeah, just, you know, it was a pleasure being here. I'm big fans. Like I said, I was big fans of y'all for years. Uh, me and my brother, uh, shout out to Vash as well. Uh, we're big fans since 2015, 14. So it was oh, great. Wow. An honor to be on here, to be honest. Oh, well, it's been an honor to have you here. We are also big fans of yours. So keep on doing what you do so well and would love to have you back anytime, man. Sure. Real quick. Uh, I know we're getting ready to do that, but apparently our uh, newsroom in our Discord actually has an update to this story uh, coming from Jason Scryer an hour ago. Um, So, you know, he said Blizzard said today that it's absorbing Vicarious Visions. What it didn't say is that uh, Vicarious Visions has been working on a Diablo 2 remake and Team 1, Blizzard's classic team, was quietly dismantled last fall, uh, basically after Warcraft 3 reforged. Um, he said Blizzard's Team One was responsible for StarCraft Two, Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft Remastered, and Warcraft Three Reforged, which was a product of surprise, unrealistic deadlines created by financial pressures. Its next project was going to be the Diablo Two remake. Last year, Blizzard pulled the D Two remake from Team One and gave it to Team Three, the Diablo Four team, which is now overseeing and working with Vicarious Visions on the project. One quick bit of clarification: Team One and Cla- Classic Team used to be separate entities, but when the Classic Team took over support of Star, uh, Starcraft 2 and Heroes of the Storm uh, around 2018, they became known as T- Team 1. So people lost their jobs over this, or were, I guess, I don't know if they lost their jobs or were just moved in other places, but basically, they Warcraft 3 was so screwed up, um, they put Whoa. Vicarious Visions on, on task. So mm-hmm. cleaning up Blizzard's mess. Remember when people liked yeah. Blizzard? I mean, it's it's kind of as DanPal65 says in our Discord here, it kind of makes the whole situation worse. They've basically been absorbed due to poor management elsewhere. That pretty much puts a fine point on it, I think. Uh, you guys have any uh, any last-minute things you want to say about this development before we head out? Uh, I mean, no. they they basically said, we suck at remaking. Hey, you guys are good at remaking. <laughs> Come join us. You know, and that's, yeah. that's pretty much what it is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean... You know, I still, you know, I still have fun, you know, playing their, their games, and and I, I hope for the best. Obviously, it's not, you know, we look at it as a narrative of, you know, the, that this great company that's up and coming uh, is starting to find its groove, is now being bought by a big company, and so it kind of, you know, uh, mellows them out a bit. But at the same time, maybe they could do some good. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. it'll have the Blizzard title and not Vicarious Visions title, but. At least we now know, hey, you know, some things are coming out good. It's because of these guys that are, actually know what they're doing when it comes to bringing things back to life. So hopefully yeah. it's something. But yeah, I, I understand that's a bit. I do have to say. give hope for Diablo 2. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I love Diablo 2. So a, oh, a good classic, remake yeah. of that, like, you know, if Vicarious Visions can do Diablo 2 the way they've done their previous remakes, I, I am all in for this. I spent hundreds of hours playing Diablo 2 <laughs> as a kid with my dad. So I would love to be able to uh, gift him a code for this and, and play it with him and, and relive that. Cause it was that, that is a, a big piece of my childhood that I would love to uh, <laughs> see with a fresh oh, coat sure. of paint. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I, I got into Diablo two literally only because I needed something to to help t- like stem the or uh, help me get through the wait for Chrono Cross that year because I was like <laughs> counting down the days for Chrono Cross and I had already played everything else on console that I wanted to and I needed something to pass the time. I was like, well, Diablo two, I played it a bit with friends, it's pretty fun, and then I got super sucked into it. It's a fantastic game. Yep. Um, so I would love to see that remade uh, faithfully and and in a way that that uh, you know draws people or fans of the original back in mm-hmm. um but with that said it's about time for us to sign off here uh but as always we have to give a, a huge shout out to all of our patrons at the producer tier for helping to make this show happen because without you it wouldn't and as always you will see your names in the uh credits of the episode you'll see it scroll by uh but in addition a massive massive thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above and those fine folks here we go with this list those wonderful people are Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Z Patty, Adam O'Sullivan, Floating Mew, Christopher, The D Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Kieran Phillips, Benny Yao, Rosa Bowling. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Geller, <laughs> Shiny Turkey, Titus Malvolio, Jake Pelka, Michael Phone, Mitchell Herring, Game Explain, Charles Zods, Andrew Medeiros, Jonathan Balmer, Kitty Kong Fax, Patrick Harrison, Scott Barber, Evernight Studio, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Dingo, Azran127, Phantom23, Sean Garrett, Shadow the Cat, Guillaume Monet, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, RMM, Top Dog23100, West Egg, Master Lynx, Sean Davis, Deneth, Kota, Lucky Wonderfish, Brandon Bovia, Octopuppet, Charlie Bird, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Michael McCaw, Eric Flapjack Ashley, Jackson Jordan, Sky Blue Flames, Young Ben Kenobi, Hyrule Hermit, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Hugo J8A, Seth Walker, Dway, Macalau, Kin Rule09, Hubi, Marcos Conchas, Wolf X Blake, and Moon Macarons, Demon Kid Zaraki, Spencer Katie, Leanne Mustafa, Brooke, and Frequent Positron. Oh my god, that's so many names to uh, have to read. At some point, uh, do this many on Monday, this many on Wednesday, this many on Friday. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I don't even mind. I don't mind reading it out in full every time because we would not be here without every single one of you. So I'm happy to do it. And uh, really, thank you all so much. And uh, remember, you too can become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, where you can watch, uh, you can join the live audience tier for uh, $5 a month and uh, interact with us and our guests, like our uh, live audience has been today. But also, you can uh, support us for as little as $1 a month to get into our Discord server. And for, I believe, only nine more days, you can get the exclusive uh, founder role given to those who supported us in our first three months. Is it is it nine more days, Steve? Yes, that is correct. On okay. February 1st, that role is being retired forever. Right. So if you'd like to support us uh, even for a dollar a month and get into our Discord, you will get that exclusive founder role, but only for nine more days. So uh, just uh, let me know that. But either way, whether you support us financially or not, even if you just drop a like and a subscribe on our channel, we love you all the same because we could not do what we're doing without your support so as always thank you all so much and uh be sure to subscribe to good vibes gaming for more good times like these and we will see you next time bye everybody bye bye